minus 15 seconds. everyone welcome to the net zero to hero podcast you got matt you got brandon greetings we are going to be going over uh, really sharing with you our state of the union address uh it feels like every single time brandon and i get on a podcast we're updating you with something and normally it's about the thing we just did this time we're going to be updating you kind of on our journey as a whole um kind of where we're at now how we see things um you know looking back it's like oh this is what we thought we knew this is what we know now and maybe even uh, some hints at what we want to do in the future and, and what, what lies ahead. So, uh, Brandon, uh, the first thing kind of want to tackle and probably the main part of this podcast is energy advising. Um, what is your emotion level on energy advising right now? Well, you know, I have to say, uh, admittedly pessimistic. And, um, you know, I, I wish I had, I had a lot more optimism at the beginning and uh, I committed to you as listeners on this podcast that we would be honest and i don't have much good news um in fact it's 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 a lot more difficult than it needs to be to become an energy advisor the process is uh veiled it's um arduous it requires a lot of attention it focuses on some things that aren't necessarily going to serve you in the future um like you know the requirements of passing the exam don't help you become an energy advisor in the future uh, there's a lack of a bill of resources. The government issued the Hot 2000 software is hard to use. It's riddled with complications and errors and workarounds and nuances that you have to just somehow know and understand uh, in order to submit reports properly. Service organizations, which you require, um, are hard to come by. They're busy. They don't necessarily have the space or interest in training. That's not going to get any better. It's um, and on top of that, it doesn't it doesn't pay super well, and like these are all factors that work solidly against becoming an energy advisor, and I'm I'm sharing that from the place of having put the time in, bought the year. I spent six thousand dollars to buy brand new blower door test equipment. I got a smoke uh, smoke machine so we can do uh, see air currents through a house. So we we went in, we fully invested in this, believing that it was something that it just didn't turn out to be. Um, this isn't me saying it's bad and don't become an energy advisor. It's me saying it's not all roses. And I just want you to know that. So when you go into this, uh, you can just expect it to be what it is. We went into this thinking it would be different. We, you know, we've talked to you about passive house. We're doing that. Passive house, becoming a passive house certified designer or consultant is a curated process that requires time, focus, effort, energy, study, all that stuff. But it's a pathway that you can follow. And at the end of it, going, "Wow, I did that, and I have clarity." Becoming an energy advisor just is not that. Uh, at the end of it, we're sitting here going, how do we help clients? That's why we started. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of bureaucracy that make this a very complicated process. And at the end of it, again, like I said, um, a typical inspection somewhere between 600 and $750 uh, is the charge rate. It's about $200 uh, of that goes to as a service fee to the service organization. So if you started with 600 and then you give away 200 you've already lost 30% of your 
total value of the transaction. So you have $400 left and it'll take you four to five hours to complete your responsibilities um, on the project from going to the the business if you're efficient like going to the house two hours worth of inspection pack up and leave and then go home and model this thing for an hour or two and it's like at a hundred dollars an hour well, that seems like roses right but you still got to get these clients and you don't have a hundred dollars an hour's worth of income 40 hours a week so there's not a lot of space from a self-employed perspective to you know to earn enough money to live in Kelowna and afford to own a home Okay, I'm saying that um, it's been, there's definitely not much of a business case here for a corporation to employ a fleet of energy advisors, um, just because I don't think the work is, there's enough volume of work. And uh, I just, it finds that the people that are doing this are, are doing this part-time. I know energy advising is becoming more prevalent. Sorry, Matt, I am like on a rant here. I just obviously needed to get this off my chest. Um it's becoming more of a prevalent thing. It's becoming mandated. There is momentum, uh, but it's like it's almost like the busier it gets, your job doesn't get any easier because you're still working with really limiting tools, and there's not there's not the space to optimize the um, the process that we expected. Um, we we can't we came into this. We're a lean. We're an organization that practices lean principles like capital L E A N. Uh, we know how to make systems work to deliver value. We've we've done this for a decade. There's uh, lots of examples of success in our organization. And then when you run into such a bureaucratically controlled process, uh, you have to take the long, slow way uh, in a lot of this. And it just works against delivering max amount of value in a minimum amount of time. Um, so we find ourselves um, discouraged. Not fully disheartened, but it isn't. Um, it isn't like I said, the green pastures we'd imagined. I'll pause there. Oh, and we'll collectively take a breath. Um, <laughs> what did that take? Twenty seconds into the podcast for you to just go. Brand, essentially, being a being along for the ride and being with Brandon in that, he's essentially saying they're not paying you enough to care enough, and they're not supporting you enough to do a good job. And, and even like, let's get real, like Matt, you were working through this process with me. You were like, say two weeks behind me in the study process. Uh, I had, a, I had a, a definite advantage being a licensed builder, a red seal carpenter, uh, certified project manager. I mean, so when it comes to taking the foundations exam, the level one exam, the level two exam, um, the MERB exam, I just have, um, I just have a leg up. So you took more time to study. Now we got through this and we've actually abandoned your initiative to become an energy advisor because it's just not worth it and worth it on behalf of the business it's not worth it on behalf of the market like it just there's not enough work to justify two full-time energy advisors it just it just didn't make sense to us as an organization which is which it sounds crazy to say because when we talk to people in this space they say the tsunami is coming there is going to be a wave of people who need energy advisors and we we're sitting here going do we even want to ride that wave yeah it's like you know because there's just such a limit on like we get paid a lot more than if you take if let's say you made on the best day your energy advising life you're making a hundred dollars an hour 
and most days it's snowy, it takes longer to get there. The clients, the delay, there's dogs outside, whatever. You only have one or two clients in the whole day or in the whole week. And, and you then. take overhead off of that and, uh, and real just genuine business costs and the, the expenses of becoming an energy advisor and the gas in your truck to get there and all. And it's like, okay, so you're making somewhere between 50 and $75, maybe um, part-time. It just, we make a lot more money than that doing other things. So from the business case falls apart because it's like, what's the highest and best use of our, our the, the limited number of hours in our week? Because the whole the building industry is busy. Um, we just didn't expect to get here. Like we didn't expect this outcome once we got this far down the path. And if you're a you know, energy advisor here in British Columbia, like Brandon said, we can't make enough, enough money to live in Kelowna doing this. There are people doing it. So like we want to caveat, like there's a caveat. Yes, Kelowna is an expensive place to live. But we see those trucks driving around and we're like, how the heck do they do it? So if you're living in Kelowna and you or or somewhere in BC and you're like, hey, I've made this work and this is not as hard as these guys making it sound. Great. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah, Give us the alternate perspective because we're just this is our this is our lived experience and perspective from where we are. And we reserve the right to evolve our perspective as yeah. information comes. We're, we're OK with being wrong, but we're being really raw and real about what we're seeing right now. And I think the biggest thing that just. I, I think just shook and maybe it's because of when Brandon and I, you know, the other work that we do, uh, you know, repairing broken homes, people are normally so excited to see us and we get to go in there, be efficient, do a good job. And we get paid really well to do a really good job. There are, there are no cookies or gold stars or whatever at the end of the rainbow for being either just putting in a lot of the defaults and, you know, scraping by on that, on that, initial uh exam or or diving in and finding cavities in the wall system and measuring exactly how much insulation is in each spot and so like the difference between doing a good job and a bad job one nobody knows and and the client doesn't care and two they don't even want to pay for it they're just interested in how they can get the government to pay for your services so that way they can have whatever they want to have done so yeah, I think that was a huge hit to even just like the morale of, of us wanting to do this. Well, and, and Matt, so what I hear you saying is like what we discovered is, is it's hard to be excellent in this space. You know, we, we run a customer service organization that fixes broken homes and we become very proficient at that. And time and cost are, are where we can add value to clients. Um but as an energy advisor, you're saying you're right. It's like whether you click that, whether you use the default insulation value uh, of R12 in an old home or R20 or R22 in a new home, like the difference between R20 and R22, which which one do you pick? Which it's negligible and nobody cares and nobody sees it. So like there's just. It's really it's a peculiar thing. It's like they most of the homeowner profile that we've discovered is people want their grant. And in order to get their grant for their, whether their window upgrades or their uh, insulation upgrades or for their photovoltaic systems, they need to get an energy advisor to do an audit before and after. So they just, you're just, you as an energy advisor, are just a cog in the wheel. Come do your thing so I can apply for a grant to get my rebates. And then that's it. And, and maybe you heard the optimism early on in this podcast, but we were, we were hoping that we'd be able to come into this and say, we're going to provide a better service and people are going to recommend us to their friends and they're going to be excited to have us there and we're going to be able to help them solve real problems. And what we found out is we're a glorified fact checker who, you know, we come in, just write everything down, put it into a program 
hopefully the program doesn't crash on the way. Yeah, as you're and, trying to save your files. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. and then you pop out a sticker and you're like, here's your sticker. And they go, great. What does this mean? It was like, it means that you, you can do your thing now. And they go, okay, great. And like, it just doesn't, and it feels like, it, it's so hard to feel like it doesn't matter. And that's, I think that's the defeating part because we come like we're, we paralleled this with Passive House and you're using Anarchan's defaults um, for like weather data. And so you're going to get a, a printout at the end of this. And I, I hope somebody that's regulatory doesn't hear this because <laughs> they might just bar us from the program. Well, the, honestly, if they did, though, I would be OK with that because we're saying, hey, we we went through the process of becoming certified. We got to the end of this and we still didn't know the answers to this. There's there's got to be gaps in the system if we're getting this far. And yeah, so you get so what I'm what I'm trying to to say is you get this beautiful like it's actually decently done printout on the energy model of your home based on the current conditions and it lets you know uh how much energy gigajoules you're using. But it's full of so many errors and i'm saying errors based on assumptions because like again the, the weather data has changed it's it, and anybody that's in the industry that knows hot 2000 they go oh yeah it's all pulling on archaic data so i can't even promise you that at the end when you get this really nice looking sticker with graphics and colors that it's an accurate reflection of what your home actually utilizes the 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 value in the tool is going based on all the errors due to assumptions you're going to do the before and use the same errors and assumptions to do the after. So like the net difference, it reflects some measure of reality, but I can't even figure out how to enter the quality of windows that we would put in, in a passive house house. Cause we're trying to, we're, as, as builders and like, we're actually working to design it. It's at the back of our mind, a net time. zero home. And I'm like, I know that from uh, glass curtain, I can get windows with an R value of 10 or better. Well, the best windows you can model in Hot 2000 software is like R5. So, you know, try to measure that and like plug that into um, the software to get an accurate reflection of what this truly incredible passive house caliber home that we're trying to build. And it just doesn't, it can't even go there. Uh, Obviously, the Hot 2000 PHPP software can go there, but they're just... I can't use PHPP to model your home as an energy advisor, plus the time and energy that we'd put into doing that. We would never get paid for. And so it doesn't make any business case. Clients don't seem to want that. It's like, oh, I just need an energy advisor so I can get my permit at the city to build my carriage house. Can you do whatever it is that you do is is our client experience so far. Yeah. And the other thing we thought we might be doing a lot of would be helping um, builders understand what needed to happen for this to work in their homes that they're building. Hey. Uh, yeah, wall systems and, oh, this is the mechanical. And if you add solar and, and kind of having that conversation and what we're also getting the sense is there were, again, glorified fact checkers, right? Hey, uh, I found something, you know, three houses ago that worked for me. I just upped the R value on the walls and that seems to beat your system. Therefore, I won't sticker, please. Because we, we started thinking, hey, we want to get in front of all the problems that we fix as a business and offer some guiding solutions to the market because our experience is beneficial to homeowners because ultimately as homeowners, you're stuck with the home the builder builds you. And there are some things you don't want the builder to build into your home. Let me tell you that. And we just, uh, it doesn't seem like as energy advisors, our voice is valued at the conversation. I know it's an ideal, include early, make sure. But between the 
the designer and the homeowner and the builder is where all the decisions around what type of wall profile, what caliber of windows, and then add some supply chain challenges and some cost constraints. And, you know, you're not going to your energy advisor going, what is the ideal window package for my house based on the orientation to the sun and the shading profile in the valley I live in? It just you're not asking us those questions uh, from an energy advisor standpoint. You might ask us those questions as certified passive home designers or consultants. But even then, sometimes like we heard from passive home designers and they're like, I'm late in the process. There are a lot of times, you know, the, the architects come to me and say, hey, this is what we designed. Make it work. It's like, whoa, you know, we want to be a part of the process from the beginning. So that way you're not all frustrated when yeah. I'm when I'm, you know, saying, actually, we can't do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, this is, uh, you know, perhaps, like I said, more pessimistic than I would have imagined. Uh, but nonetheless, it's real. And one of the things we 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 didn't have a calibrating set of expectations coming into this. Um, and we want to provide that for you so that if you know what the situation is and you march down this path and put your time and your money and your energy into this, uh, you know what you're getting. And maybe it'll be easier for you uh, because you're not coming in. You won't find yourself nine months down the road with a deflated set of expectations. You'll just know what it really is and then choose wisely. And because the industry still needs energy advisors, there Absolutely. will be work there. What I, I do love about energy advising, and this was well said um, by somebody that's that's been both a home inspector and an energy advisor. One of the beautiful parts about being they're, they're, the mechanics of the whole process are very similar. Go to your house, take a good look around, take some photos of the important parts, go back to the office, build a report. Okay. If you miss the crack in the foundation or the ants in the wall as a home inspector, you get sued and that could cost you lots of money and you still don't make a ton of money for a home inspector. Like in terms of, you know, I'm used to, you know, you do a contract, it's like a $10,000 contract is a small renovation contract, uh, you know, $700 home inspections and expensive home inspections. So they're just on, on scales different. But as an energy advisor, if you go in and let's just say you mislabel whether it was an operable window or a, a fixed picture window or whether it was a low E coating or non low E coating set of windows, you just you, you misjudge that or mischeck the box and you go home and you do your report and you send them the report and, you know, that error is built into the report. Nobody comes back and sues you because the fraction of percentage off of your low E coating checkbox impact on their overall energy performance in their home it's just so it's the same mechanics with a lot less liability so it's a lot more easy going people are generally not under pressure to get this done they want it done to access grants so that the, the client dynamic is a lot a lot simpler you know i get the home inspection we got to put an offer in you got two days get here get fast and don't miss anything pressure 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 it the, the setup's different. So it's actually, it's, it's a good business for people that want to do something lighter hearted. But you, when you get back to the office, your life, it's just, it's a tough life. I thought 2000 is what I'm trying to say. So maybe this would be a great question to ask then. Um, whether or not energy advising is for us, who would this be great for? You if, know what? if you had to build an avatar of somebody who would excel in this role and do well and would be like, hey, guys, thanks for encouraging me to do this. What I do like about this is it's not uh, it's it's not gender exclusive and it's not age exclusive. And what I mean by that is, you know, realistically, you don't need a ton of construction experience. You could be 28 years old uh, and 
willing to go through the hassle of the Microsoft Windows DOS based hot 2000 protocol if you learn the mechanics you, you learn how to use the software you can pump this out um it's a non-threatening set of um a, the day of a energy advisor is not a threatening day it's not a risky day the most dangerous thing you're going to do is crawl up your ladder into the attic and there might be spiders up there and it's stuffy and whatever but it's not hard so there's no heavy lifting there's no extreme heights um, and you can learn how to measure windows and just, it's, it's totally straightforward, but I, I, I see this as being, I've been a carpenter my whole life. I've been an electrician my whole life. I, I'm tired of using my body as an experienced tradesman. I want to start using my brain a little bit more and moving into almost a retirement phase as a consulting phase. Cause the homeowners ask all kinds of questions. Well, Hey, look, I was thinking about putting a, knocking this window out and putting a patio door. Cause you're there like, or my furnace needs to be updated if you have a mechanical background, like heating, mechanical ventilation, you have a distinct advantage. So many questions. Absolutely. On, yep. uh, well, what if I do my furnace upgrade? And I'm like, ah, I'm not a furnace guy. I'm a Red Seal carpenter guy. So I don't know the difference between a ream furnace and uh, American Standard furnace. And I just don't know. So, yeah, if you're a retired professional, you could very comfortably do this and do this on a, like, I'll call it a part-time basis. Let's say it's part days, four days a week kind of schedule easy and the scheduling requirements nobody's typically pressured they're like hey i'll get to you in the next 10 days you're like oh thanks you know a lot of the energy advisors in our neck of the woods are scheduling months in advance um so you know if you <laughs> it's because they work tuesdays and thursdays only um which just tells you there's just not the the volume of work that uh, one would expect for this so yeah avatar um yeah i don't know did i answer that question what did i miss no, I think that makes sense. I think that, hey, if you're somebody who, you know, your body's wearing down, but your mind's still there, um, great option for you, especially to, um, this is one of those things that if you had a service organization that was able to meet your needs, could it be like somewhat part-time? It doesn't need to be uh, a full-on job. Um, uh, and then the question I wanted to ask, Brandon, before before we move on um, and talk about other things about the future that we alluded to earlier in the podcast. Any advice, if you're a governing body listening to this or your service organization listening to this, what is something you would say to them that they can help people maybe not become disillusioned, frustrated? Um, maybe they uh, have a better perspective. Um, maybe uh, you're able to find the right type of people you need. What do you say to the people who are kind of in charge of this process? Because um, outside of Rod, who is fantastic, we feel somewhat let down by by NRCAN and the idea that you're you say you really really care about this and then you give us a program that's you know that just doesn't essentially really work or do what it needs to do yeah so uh, that's a good question matt i would say somebody needs to be a guide on how hot 2000 i'm gonna say works and what i mean by that is the 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 most difficult part for us as an organization thinking try to optimize the system is you're out in the field and you're collecting data and we made a really smart excel based um checklist so we could we could capture the data of the home the dimensions the heights the the total height from the basement up to the the highest point in the ceiling type of windows window profile dimensions so that when we get back to the office we can put that into hot 2000 and give hot 2000 all the information that it needs so that it can produce an accurate report that meets the quality standards and or can mandates 
that translation from what I got in the field to what I got in Hot 2000 is difficult. Hot 2000 has lots of nuances, uh, complicated paths to get there. Even using the wizard, it, it, it just it feels like it, it works against itself. And then you got to go correct it once you get in, once you get through the wizard to call it the first 10 steps or wizardized as a template. And then you got to go find the areas that it misinterpreted things uh, so that your auditor that's a service organization is happy with you and you don't have to bounce the file back and forth seven or eight times. I, I feel like somebody needs to explain the logic of hot 2000 so that, so that people can understand how, what they do in the field will translate into hot 2000 in the future so that you can capture the information in a way that is translatable because it's like we go into the field thinking like inspectors and come home with a batch of apples and really hot 2000s expecting you to feed it oranges. So it, and it, it's, it, it's just, it's a bizarre lost in translation uh, situation that we experience a lot of just, and what it requires is more time, more energy, more oops, more file back and forth, more. And it's just such a painful way to learn something. Oh my goodness. Like step by step, did this wrong, send it back for review. Oh, still did that wrong, send it back for review. I mean, there's no comprehensive um, training available and there's nothing, no resources on YouTube and it just feels crazy. So if you had a killer service organization that was totally available and totally like in your hometown, able to sit down with you, train you, show you the ropes, that is one thing. Um, if, if you're on the journey we're on where it's like, yeah, you know, like, uh, Rod's doing everything he can from, from, you know, Prince from, George, from yeah. Prince George far away from us. Um, he's also a busy guy. He's, he's got a full itinerary. And, uh, also what is his real motivation to get us on board? Because th- there isn't a ton of money at the end of this rainbow for him either. So, yeah. uh, you know, like if, if, if they're anyway, it just, yeah. So last thing we're going to be talking about today is uh what's next energy advising it's going to be something we have on our plate how do we want to potentially use energy advising in the future the knowledge that we've gained um are we going to be able to make this work for us in the organization or is it something that's that's going to be uh, i don't want to say wasted effort but like People are probably sitting at home being like, man, if you hate it so much, why are you still doing it? Or, or how are you going to well, use this? And we've come this far. So we're going to become certified energy advisors because we've we've come this far. And I think there is value in learning the process because as licensed builders, even if we build the passive house standards, we're still going to have to go through the process of even if we got a certified passive house, it will have to be reviewed by an energy advisor. You know, it's like you can't do a higher standard and forsake this because this is a regulatory step. So we're going to be able to do this all internally. Um, we are going to be available to serve our clients. We will have the resources because part of the problem is if I wanted to, if, if Matt, you brought me your carriage house and said, hey, Brandon, could you build me this really cool carriage house? I'd say, all right, we need an energy advisor for get permits. In three months, they'll get to you. And then they'll, I, I also don't want to get stuck in other people's inefficiency in their business models because that creates a bottleneck uh, that costs all of us time and money. And time is the one resource we don't get more of. Um, the bank account is draining on time all the time. So uh, money ebbs and flows. It comes and goes. Um, it, there will always be more money that we can that can be acquired. Um, we can be resourceful and creative about that. But I don't want to get stuck in other people's bottlenecks. So we brought that service inside um, so that we can at least do all the legwork. Uh, on behalf of our client and our business, that's why. So we're, it will be there. I don't know if I'm going to be try to become the um, the most prolific energy advisor at this point. Right. I just, I just, I'd have to. 
I'd have to see something that I currently don't see in order to, to go full green light on that. Um, I just think that it's not the highest and best use of our, our time. And, and that being said, moving forward, we're really excited to bring more people to the table on this conversation. And we've got some great people lined up for, uh, for guests in the next little bit. And we're going to be diving deep into what exactly, um, what building practices you can do to um, really we're calling it build exceptionally well or build with excellence. We don't really have a term for it yet. It doesn't, it's like net zero passive house kind of like, but just like, how do we do this really, really well? And we're excited to have this conversation. So that way um, people have uh, an idea that they can be confident moving forward. And just because Brent and I aren't at this, at this moment, thrilled about how our energy advisor journey turned up and we're sort of like hey we got to the end of the rainbow and here's all the here's all the money you can make and this is how great it is it's like oh no this is not what we thought it was um just because we're coming to the end of that journey and not jumping for joy doesn't mean um that we're not going to take the skills and what we're learning to actually we really want to better the community because if we start if we see with with eyes that can actually identify issues then we can actually have the conversation and help things yeah, actually move this, forward. And Matt, you said that this, we, there's still so much of this journey we don't know about yet. Like we don't know what we don't know yet, but we are smart enough to go. We know there's things we don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is where we are right now. And as we get more, we will evolve and then we're going to share it so that you, uh, you can gain uh, wisdom from our experience also. Yeah. So that's it for us today. Thanks guys. And uh, enjoy the rest of your life. <laughs> Life. <laughs> Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed.